You know, the plan、uh, for your life is also the plan for the life of this church. The things that God wants to do in your life, just like He wants to do in Bernadette's life, is also what we as a church are trying to do.、Uh, let me say it this way、uh, Jesus is inviting you and calling you to be His disciple. Okay, He's inviting and calling each and every one of you to be His disciple. Now, as a church, my job is to make disciples. Okay, so I have. A very、uh, complicated and yet very simple message today. And that is this How do we make disciples? And what does that mean to you? Okay, so I have a plan for your life. Or should I say, God has a plan for your life? <laughs> He has a great plan for your life. But part of that plan involves the plan for this church's life. Because God is saying, We as a church need to make disciples. And God is calling people to be His disciple. I mean, it really is that simple. The more complicated part comes what does that look like? And for each one of you, what does that look like for you? Because it's, some things are the same and some things are very different.、Uh, let me put it this way next time you go downtown Boston and you go down to South Station, I want you to back up from South Station and I want you to look at that entrance to South, to South Station. It's really a beautiful building. It's a curved building with stone and there's a big clock in the front and it's grand and it's beautiful. That stone comes from Hopkinton. Okay, so next time you take your family and friends and tourists and you're running around Boston, forget about the Boston Tea Party. You go in front of the South Station. Those stones came from Hopkinson. Then you can just go home. I mean, just get on the train and go home. Okay, now I want to use that as an analogy. We're going into the train station, and the analogy is like this there are many different trains leaving from South Station, and we, which represent many different churches. And we're one of those trains. We're not the only train. We're not the best train, but we're one of those trains. And this particular train is going on the Worcester line. It goes from South Station, you know, finally it gets to Wellesley and Framingham. First it goes to Natick, and then it stops at Ashland, and then it stops at Southborough, and it stops in Westborough, and, you know, finally it makes it all the way、uh, to Worcester. And I'm standing on that station. And I'm saying, do you want to come on this train? This is where that train is going. And today, what I'm saying is, this is our church, and this is where our church is going. And I'm asking you, do you want to come on this journey? Do you want to join us on this train? If not,、uh, there are many, many other trains. You might unfortunately be wanting to go to New York City, and you can just get on that fast Acceler train and go down to New York City. Good luck to you. I mean, just bless you and go. But if you want to go to Worcester on the Worcester train,、uh, that's the one that we're going. Now, not only do I want you to get on the right train, but when you're on the right train, I want to make sure you're in the right carriage. 
Uh, that is, some of you need to get in a carriage where nobody's talking, just like that video that Stephen showed. You've got the headphones on, and you're just coming back from Boston. You just need rest. You don't want any interruption. You just want peace. And you need to sit in the silent carriage and just get a whole lot of rest and relaxation. Uh, others of you, you need to sit in that silent carriage because God is stimulating you, and you need to get into a lot of reading, and you need to use your time wisely. And yet for others of you, uh, there's another carriage in there, and it's got a table in the middle. And you are there with all your friends, and you need to sit around that table, and you need to yakety yakety yak about what you're planning, what your day was like, and all the fun you're going to have. And you need to sit together on that table. So what I am saying, as a church, I want to tell you the direction that we're trying to go, and what it looks like to make disciples here, but also to try and arrange your peace, your gifting, your place in that trainer what that looks like. I mean, it's a loose analogy, but you kind of get the idea. Here's the, the, the scripture, which is what got me to start this church. This is the scripture which motivates me to do what I do. Uh, this is a scripture that says, you know, I just uh, want to keep doing the things that I do. It's called the Great Commission. Let me read it to you. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. It doesn't say go and make believers. It says go and make disciples. And it doesn't just say, you know, to have people attend church or to feel good or whatever. No, make disciples. And then there's a purpose to this. You need to baptize them and you need to go into all the world. Well, going into all the world means that the disciples become disciple makers. Uh, so there's something in here. If I had to put it in, these, in this language, you know, what is the mission of this church and what is the, the values of this church? Uh, it looks something like this. The mission would be to go and make disciples of Jesus. That this would be a church where unchurched people feel welcome to attend. Uh, but our values would be as follows. The first value would be the one that we showed the video of this morning. We really want you to be part of a small group because pastoral care uh, takes place in a smaller community. So we value that community. We value that everybody is known and that everybody is taken care of by somebody. And everybody is known by somebody in this church. Uh, the other value we have here at the church is that everybody gets to play. We can all be used by God. Not only can we, God wants to use every one of you in some capacity. Uh, the other value we have is that we are a church that wants to be naturally supernatural. We want to push heavily into the supernatural aspects of God, but do it in a very ordinary, natural way. No hype, no manipulation. We want to be a church that's relevant to this town of Hopkinton and the surrounding towns. We want to be a church that does outreach. Uh, we want to do servant evangelism just so that we can love on our neighbors. And we want to be a church which can love mercy, walk humbly with our God. Uh, we want to be a church that remembers the poor. Uh, those are our values. And that's why, as you know, we were, Bernadette and I have been working together for years. It's like, okay, how do we, you know, figure this out? Like, what's our vision? What's our values? Uh, what should I be doing? What should Bernadette be doing? And, and how do we do those well? And, and so, you know, that's why I'm really uh, excited about 
uh, what we're doing and uh, what Bernadette's going to do in this, in this launch. Uh, because again, as I do what I think God has called us as a church to do, make disciples, uh, and then what's also part of that line is to go to all nations. So, you know, Bernadette and I are going to constantly be uh, working together and overlapping and having perhaps a different emphasis. So I'm still going to be going down to the Dominican Republic. In fact, I'm going to increase the number of times I go down to the Dominican Republic. And my focus is going to be very singular. My focus is going to be how do I build up the church? How do I help the pastor there be better at pastoring and growing her church? And how do I help them to plant and start other churches? And likewise, how do I do that in uh, that area of the world, Dominican Republic? Uh, Now, Bernadette's going to go down there. She's going to do all the orphan stuff. And then she's also going to be, you know, praying and doing a church service. I'll go down there. I'm going to be mostly just working the church. It could be that I'll go down there and also do paint a house or chop up some lettuce, but my focus is trying to develop that church. Uh, you know, so I, these work well together, these two different visions. But as part of being a disciple, your role, let me just say, it, it somewhat goes like this. It's simple, but it's complicated. It's simple because Jesus, the first step Jesus is calling you to is a relationship with him. He's saying, will you receive me? When you receive Christ, something incredible happens. But it's mysterious. You receive the Holy Spirit. You welcome the presence of God in you. You become a new creation. But that's the starting point, which for many people they see as the end point. It's like, I received Christ and okay, now I'm done. I don't need church. I don't need anything. No, it's a starting point. Then what happens is as soon as that has taken place, God says, but I've created you individually, uniquely to do something, to be something. And he's giving every one of you gifts. And then you start using those gifts. And as you use those gifts, you start growing and you start becoming a disciple. And then as you start going on missions trips with Bernadette or with me or here in the church, you'll realize very quickly that you feel inadequate. Once you feel inadequate, then you're in a good teachable position to say, I need Jesus more. I need his Holy Spirit more. I need more of God. And then you start growing as Jesus develops you. And you start becoming a useful uh, disciple where you're part of a church, where the church's role is to make disciples of others. And you've got a role in that process. So it's not just getting to heaven, although the promise of heaven is a wonderful, awesome promise. But until we get there, Jesus is promising that you and I will have a rich and rewarding life if we will be his disciple, which means we do what God wants us to do, not necessarily what we want us to do. And the big aha moment comes when we say, God, I want to do your agenda. Will you change me to do that? Because our natural instinct is to say this, God, I have a wonderful plan for my life. I have a wonderful agenda. And God, will you come alongside of me and just empower me to make my wonderful life and my wonderful agenda a reality? And those two are in conflict. I don't know if you heard what I just said, but we have a plan for our life that we invent. God has a different plan for your life. And his plan is that you would follow him. You would be his disciple, not Jesus becoming your disciple. We we confuse this. 
And we need to become Jesus' disciple. Okay, let me just pray because that's what I want to talk about today. In your name, Jesus, I just ask that you would speak to each and every one of us clearly. Lord, just empower my preaching. Lord, help me to preach your word. Lord, help me to communicate in a short time what it is that you want us to be doing as a church and how every single person can be involved and welcome as part of that. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, If you have a bulletin insert, you're going to see that I have uh, seven things that I feel like a disciple looks like in this context, in this church. What does it mean to be a disciple? And I want to talk about these seven uh, aspects uh, really, really quickly uh, because we really don't have a whole lot of time. So um, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to partner with this church? Well, the first part here is this idea of receiving Christ. Just as I had mentioned, you need to ask Jesus into your life. So we see this in Acts 2.38. It says, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But there's something mysterious about this whole thing, which is not just mechanical. It involves the Holy Spirit. And there's this wonderful story about Nicodemus, about how he receives Christ. And then Christ explains, or John explains, uh, what's going on here, and it's mysterious. He says, this is actually what happened. And I'm reading uh, John 3, let me just read verse... uh, Well, I'll read 5 through through 8. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Hang on to that phrase. Without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, here's the mysterious part. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. There's this wonderful word in Hebrew in the Old Testament, ruach. And ruach is a word which uh, is sort of mysterious because it connotes two different things. And in the New Testament, this word is well uh, nuanced for these two different meanings. The first meaning is the obvious, which is wind. The wind. And so in this verse, we're saying, yes, the wind. But the second part of this, which is an interesting play on this word ruach, is that it's the spirit. And so God is often saying, I'm like the wind. I'm the, the spirit of God is like the wind. And it's mysterious. You can't put it in a box. It's But you know when God has done something in your life. You know when God is active and present in your life. That is not a mystery. So the first part here as a disciple in this church is you need to know Christ. You need to be baptized or you need to plan to be baptized if you want to be a disciple. The second part is this whole missional part which happens straight off the first part. And that is point two, be invitational. The very first part of your growth is you receive Christ, but you are not going to grow unless you start acting on that pretty much straight away. And that is you need to start telling people about Jesus. Or if you don't know how to fully tell people about Jesus, you invite them to church so they can experience Jesus and experience the spirit. So being invitational is really important. And so the question I ask you, if you want to grow as a disciple, who are you praying for currently? To be saved. 
or to come to church? Which friend, family member? Or who are you inviting to come to church? As soon as you start being used by God in this way, inviting people, you will start growing. Because now all of a sudden, you realize, I need answers to questions. I need to think about things. I really want church to be great when people show up. So you need to be uh, invitational. Now, I want to introduce uh, some language here, which I, is this. I want you to become a partner with me in this church. Here's where this partnership language is just really so rich. Uh, let me jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God uh, is telling us about how Paul starts this church, and he's encouraging this church, and, and he's saying, you know, each of you have been given a gift in that church, like in this church, and the purpose of getting the gift is that you will serve others. Let me just repeat that. It's right there in 1 Corinthians. The purpose of the gift is that you'll serve others, not that you'll just accumulate more and more knowledge. You'll serve others. And then uh, in 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says this. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says. And He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is inviting you into partnership with Jesus. Or if you've got a NIV or ESV, in fellowship. But in partnership with Jesus in the New Living Translation. God wants you to be a partner. And likewise, uh, in this whole idea of being invitational, uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 4, 5, he says this, Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. Part of a church is where you partner with the church in the church going into all the world and making disciples. And the most important part of our world for us is right here, our hometown, our hometowns, where we are, and also to the rest of the world. Moving along quickly, the other part of uh, make, being a disciple is taking care of your soul. Uh, God asks this very simple question, how's your soul? Uh, how are you doing? Uh, in Matthew 16, it says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Look, I'm so uh, big on this idea. Next week, this is going to be the whole sermon. I'm going to ask you that exact question. How's your soul? But here's what I want you to get at. How do you hear the voice of God? Because it is imperative that you each individually hear God. Okay, so that's next week's sermon. How are you going to hear God? How do you hear God? It's imperative. Point four. If you're going to be a disciple here at this church, uh, you need to be aware of the kingdom of God. Remember, I just uh, read it before. I said, listen to that phrase, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God appears again and again, again and again in Scripture. And it's a wonderful, uh, nuanced, complicated uh, different tenses, future tense, present tense, past tense, uh, which is very helpful for us in understanding God. All I'm saying is uh, we emphasize the kingdom of God in this church. Now, the point five is really, really a very difficult point. You need to show up. I mean, now, there's the hardest story of the whole lot, right? This is not complicated. It's not theological. It's not anything, but it's so difficult. Show up. If you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to show up. 
I mean, can you imagine when Jesus was walking around with his disciples, if his disciples said, well, you know, I can't really make it. And Jesus, well, I'm going to feed 5,000 today. I'm sorry you missed out on that one. And they're like, oh, I didn't want to miss out on that miracle. You don't know any Sunday what God is going to do or what he isn't going to do. Uh, often you just show up. You know, we had just amazing, the most crazy, amazing experience on Friday night. Friday night, we had a prayer service here and a worship service here. It was just like ridiculously awesome. I mean, it just was. I was just like, so thankful, God, I just showed up. My expectation coming into it was like, like zero. I was like tired. I mean, it just it was like, whoa, what happened? That was just awesome. Show up. But God wants you to show up in two ways, two places. Sunday morning, right now. God wants you to show up, and God wants you to show up in small groups, both, not either or, both and. Show up, show up regularly on a Sunday, show up in a small group. It's just the way God works. When you come to church, it's not about obtaining more and more and more information. I mean, as the church age is shifting, you can get awesome sermons online. People are listening to podcasts. You're listening to great preachers. That's awesome. That's great. You can do that. But it's not about just obtaining more and more knowledge. There's something which happens in the dynamics of your local church. Jesus says, I am the church. I am married to the church. I am part of the church. This is my body. There's something which happens in the local church when we show up. We worship together. We hear the word of God together. We pray together. There is things which happen in church on Sunday, which you can't get on a podcast, as great as podcasts are. Let me just uh, say it this way, this wonderful Hebrew word, ruach. And I'm going to go over a little bit today uh, because I really want to hone in on this. In Acts 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, in a small group. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Ruach, the power, the wind of God showed up where? In a small group. Need to be part of a small group. But on the other hand, there's uh, being part of a church. And this is the mysterious way that God works in your life, in my life, as we gather, gather together. In Galatians 6, 5, 16 and 17, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Ruach, Ruach, let the power, let the wind, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature craves to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desire that are the opposite of what our, sin our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Here's the big idea. If we have sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, our lives become a life of joy. It's the difference between walking into a headwind, or if you like bicycling, cycling. Cycling into the wind is just tiring. It's not fun. It's just exhausting. You're like, go nowhere. And you're just fighting the wind. But having the wind at your back, it is great. I mean, you just cruise along. Life is easy. Our need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, and to hear that and then to do that, or to use Jesus' language, if we will obey what Jesus tells us to do, our lives will go really, really great. 
But if you claim to be a disciple and you do all the opposite things that Jesus tells you to do, your life is just going to be uphill. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be frustrating. Uh, And God is saying in a mysterious way, when we invite his Holy Spirit into our lives and we give him control, God starts rearranging things inside. He changes our desires. He changes the things that we want to, that we think will be exciting and fun. And he gets rid of our bad habits and he gives us the desires for the things that he wants us to have a desire for. Last two points. Financial support. If you want to be a disciple here in the church, I want you to, uh, to tithe. I want you to give financially. Now, you know, some people hate talking about money. I love talking about money. And I love asking you to give money to me. No, not to me. It's really just not it. I'm asking you to give money to advance the kingdom. I'm passionate about advancing the kingdom. And you know what? I know what goes through our natural minds. It's like, I don't have any money. I don't have any leftover money. And if I was wealthy, I'd give. But there's something, a whole different level here. One of the stories, which is the most beautiful story in the Bible, is the widow's might. This is where this woman shows up to the temple and she puts in like a, a couple of pennies. And Jesus makes this huge comment to his disciples. He says, hey, listen, guys, look up here. That woman just gave everything that she owns and all the other guys, they're putting a lot of money in there, but they're just giving a little bit of their huge surplus. So Jesus is aware of this. Now, the, the reason I'm passionate about this is as follows. There's some uh, dynamic which takes place. And if you are poor, the one thing you need more than anything is the power of God in your finances. You cannot do it alone. But when God breathes on your finances, when, they be, when that becomes holy, when you... You got the power of God behind you. So, you know, in a strange way, I mean, poor people are in need of God's financial help. And part of that is this mysterious thing that happens when we just obedient to God and do what God wants. Now, I know this is upside down. I know this is frustrating to, to hear, but I tell you, there's, if, if I had time and I asked people to stand up here and share their testimony about what God has done financially in their lives. I mean, we, you think I'm going to run over today. They, you, I mean, we'd be here all afternoon just hearing awesome stories. And some of the stories would be from people that are dirt poor. And God is blessed, like in ridiculous, incredible ways. So what I am saying is don't cut off that blessing from God by not tithing. It's just, it's like, yeah, don't do it. Lastly, unity. Unity is a big deal in churches. And unity is always a challenge. And it's a challenge because we are human. And we tend to like complain. And we tend to like see the problems in things. And so this is, this is the way it goes in church. Uh, Pastor Rob, uh, I need to talk to you about you know, Mary Lou. You know, Mary Lou, you know, she's a problem. You know, Mary Lou's like ignoring me. You know, I said something to Mary Lou and she just like looked the other way. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor Rob, uh, I need to talk to you about, uh, you know, Billy Bob. Billy Bob's kids are just like running crazy around this church. They're running amok in you. They need like discipline. They need to be controlled. Now, you know, you need to do something about it. No, 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 no. You need to do something about it. If someone's frustrating you, ignoring you, turning their back on you, saying bad things, you need to go to that person and say, have I offended you? Is there something up between us? 
What you don't want to do is come to me and for me to go to them. That's called triangulating. No, you need to go directly to that person and sort it out. But none of us like to do that. We all just like to know what the problem is. We can all see the problem. There's hundreds of problems. We all have problems. We all you know, emanate problems. And so we see that problem and we're just like, all oh, right, Rob, I've got to tell you about the problem and that person, blah, blah, blah. And then you feel so great because you've you know, edified me. You've told me all about how, you know, your great insight, your wisdom and your gift of discernment and like, no, 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 no. Sort it out with the person directly and let's look what's best in people and let's lift each other up. And, you know, if you can't and you tried, then come and speak to one of us and we'll try and solve it for you. But unity, praying for the health and the unity of this church. The spirit of the enemy is trying to pull us apart. And Jesus is trying to draw us together as different as we are. We are different ages, different ethnicities, different you know, levels of wealth. We, God wants the church to be a melting pot where we all come together with all these crazy differences and live in harmony. I mean, how crazy is that idea? Except it's God's idea, and it's a great idea. I love it. So uh, let me just uh, finish right here. What is God inviting you to do? What is it that God is saying, I want you to do this? I want you to step up like Bernadette and say, look, you know, I need you to step into the next thing in my life. What is the next step that God is asking you to take? How are you going to grow and how do you want to grow as a disciple? What is your next step? We're all different. We all have next steps. That's why I wanted to preach this sermon at this time of the year so that this year will be an awesome year because there'll be an awesome year when you say yes to God. Whatever that yes for you personally looks like. And if it's not clear, spend a little bit of time and say, God, what is it that you want me to say yes to? And then do that. Not everything else. Don't feel guilty about what other people. What is God asking you to say yes to? And do that. Do that. What is it? And if you want to experience a rich and rewarding life, obey Jesus. Obey Jesus. All right. Why don't we stand and uh, let's worship. I want us to worship. I want to still do communion. And... Uh, I also think God wants to move in us a little bit. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we can come together as a church with expectation that you're going to move in our lives, that you desire for each of us to be your disciple, where you want to love on each one of us. But yet, Lord, you're asking each one of us to take a step of faith, a step of obedience to respond to you and to your word and to the things that you're doing so that you can grow us. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray for our church now as we worship you, that you'd continue to just move in us, speak to us, make it clear to us, excite us with the plans that you have for us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.